So as I was preparing for today's message, uh, we're in the book of Proverbs, and we're just pulling out a few Proverbs throughout the summer. Um, it would be impossible to do a chapter per Sunday. It's just too much in the book of Proverbs. Um, but we're just pulling out one or two thoughts from the book of Proverbs. And as I was thinking about summer and summer break Sunday and all this breaking, the spirit of the Lord led me to Proverbs 23, 4 this week. And it says this here, it says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. Don't wear yourself out. Now, this is from Solomon, God through Solomon, who's the wisest and wealthiest man to ever live. And so he's just relaying some of God's wisdom. And he's saying, look, it's not all what you think it is, right? Being rich and being wealthy and having all of this status and all of this attention is not what you might think it is. So he says this here. Let's go to God's word translation where he says, do not wear yourself out getting rich. Be smart enough to stop. Uh, another translation says toil. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be wise enough to know when to quit. And so the word toil, it won't come up on the screen, but we are a note-taking church. I want to encourage you to jot down some of these thoughts today. Toil means to constantly move, to, 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 to always be moving. Right. From place to place, from uh, relationship to relationship, from job to job, from city to city to, to you're always grinding. You're always toiling. And that's really because we're never satisfied. We're never fulfilled. We're, we're looking for that fountain of life. Right. Um, but but we're always moving because we're always trying to acquire. And so wealth or richness in this sense doesn't just talk about money, but it does mean status. It could mean pleasure. It could mean comfort. And Solomon is saying no, no when to stop. No, no when to chill. On the contrary, Proverbs 10, 22 says this. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. The blessing of the Lord is what makes you rich and he has no sorrow with it. So sometimes that blessing is internal. Sometimes it, there's there's a peace, there's a clarity, there's a revelation from the word of God that brings breakthrough into your life that you can't put a, a, a price on top of. Sometimes it is tangible. It's that it's that tangible dream finally fulfilled. But here's the key. The Bible says that when God blesses you, he does not add sorrow with it. So if you're blessed in abundance, but those things are bringing you sorrow, they're bringing you anxiety. There's a good chance that at one point God's hand may have been on it, but it may not be anymore. Right. And it's simply because of how you're handling the blessing. What I've come to find out in life is that it's not necessarily a career problem or a job problem or a supervisor problem. Right. When we talk about city to city, job to job, some people have had six jobs in the past six months, in the past 12 months, in the past 18 months. Some people have moved to two different cities in the past year. And some people have switched four different churches in the past two months. 
right? This is my home. I like the music here. I like the preaching here. I like the outreach here. I like the, the pastor here. I like the team here. I like the serving here. Some people, you're just jumping. And so whenever I'm in one of these kind of counseling sessions about uh, being restless and where's my blessing and where's God in my life, one of the things I dig at is consistency and being rooted. And whenever I hear, yeah, I changed my job again, or, or we moved from this different city, or I'm out of this relationship, I'm in a new one. In, in that short window of time, I always pick up a mirror and I'm like, this may be the problem. It may not be the job. It may not be the people you're dating. It may not be the cities you're moving to. I think the common issue might be you. And so what I've come to find out is that it's not always a, a, a career problem or a job problem, but it's a rhythm problem. Someone say rhythm. rhythm. It's a rhythm. Do not toil constantly trying to find pleasure, constantly trying to get paid, constantly trying to get connected, constantly trying to get picked up. You're just in, in, in the mean, in the meantime, you're wearing yourself out. You're wearing your soul out. So it's none of that's the issue at the root of it. It's a rhythm problem. And so let's go ahead and define rhythm. Rhythm is a daily flow of living that results in rest, peace, and fulfillment. It's a flow. It's a pattern of living, right? Be wise enough to know when to stop. There's a time where you go. There's a time where you stop. There's a time where you do your part. There's a time where we get out of God's way and let him do his part, right? A lot of us are in God's way. So the blessing isn't coming because guess what? We're the ones blocking it, right? So be wise enough to know when to stop, rest, and get out of God's way. It's a daily flow. This is so key that results in rest and assurance, peace that everything is going to work out in fulfillment. Like I'm not longing for anything. And really at the root of it, it's, it's a rhythm problem. So I want to encourage you to find your rhythm today. This is, this is the subject matter. We're going to talk about finding our, our daily flow. Okay. And number one, the first thought is this. We have to understand that God created the seasons to guide our rhythms. He created the four seasons to guide the rhythm of life. Rarely do we attach the four seasons to how we should be going about life. I mean, spring sprouts up new life. Uh, the summer, it gets warm and the birds are chirping they're loud and the bugs and the critters are out and and the people are out we, we were in ocean city yesterday for jay's baseball tournament the people are out <laughs> like they're everywhere like i'm on the top floor and i'm like oh my god there's so many people the people are out and then the fall it begins to cool down a little bit and 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 the leaves change colors and and it's just so Ah, the fall is so soothing. It's so amazing. And then the winter, right? We, we begin to slow down, right? After spring and summer, we were ramping it up. The fall kicks in. We begin to, to slow down. I want you to ask yourself this. What season am I in? And I'm not talking about four seasons. I'm talking about what's the nature of your life right now? What's the culture of your home? What's the... Uh, the status of your soul. 
What season are you in? Are you, are you, is, is there joy? Is it cool? Or is it fire? Are you, are you upset? Are you anxious? Are you afraid? What season are you in? Are you concerned? Is it a mixture of all of those emotions in one hour, right? Right, but, but discerning where you are is, is half the battle. What season are you in? What's, ask yourself this, what's going on in my life? Do you ever take time to assess, like, what's going on? Like, really, slow it down, right? If you have kids, what's going on in every detail of their lives? Right, because if you're not careful, you can detach yourself from their reality as a parent and just be stuck in a, in a selfish mode. But you got one or two or three little ones that are looking to you. What, what's going on at the job? What's the temperature at the job? And how is it affecting my thinking and my soul? What's going on in my home? What's going on in my body? Do you ever ask yourself, what season am I in? Am I doing a self-assessment of where of where I am simply because this, I want to go ahead and and, and share this with you. When we don't understand the season that we're in, we create unnecessary stress. When when we don't understand when, when there's no clarity, like where is our marriage? Where are our finances? Where is my relationship with God? When I don't understand my season, you know, it's kind of like in the natural, we, um, we go out in a winter coat in the middle of July. That's how some of us are living. We're, we're living out of season. Some of us are pressing the gas when we should be pumping the brakes. Some of us are pumping the brakes when God is saying, go full speed. You need to get up and stop being lazy and get to it. Or you need to stop and slow down. What season is, is your life in? And I didn't really come to give you a lot of answers today. I just want you to really wrestle with the Holy Spirit. There's the tribe of Issachar, and Issachar was a son of um of Jacob. Someone say Jacob. Jacob. All right, so Jacob's dad was Isaac. Isaac's dad was Abraham. God eventually changed Jacob's name to Israel, which means Prince of God. And Jacob had twelve sons, which became the twelve tribes of Israel, God's chosen people. And so Moses blessed the tribe of Issachar. Israel blessed Issachar before he passed away. And a lot of people would say that the tribe of Issachar, they have the anointing to understand seasons and what's going on. And so from the time of Jacob through the time of Moses and the time of David, there emerged 200 leaders from the tribe of Issachar. They were scholars that dated back from the time of Moses. When, when they were around during Moses' time, they were accredited with creating the Hebrew calendar because they understood the times in the seasons. By the time it got to David's time, the Bible says that the nation of Israel looked to the tribe of Issachar in order to know what to do in a given season. And it says this here in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. From Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. Here it is. All these men understood the signs of the times, and here's the best part, and knew the best course for Israel to take. Do you understand your season? Do you know what your soul needs? 
your mind needs, your body needs in this season? And do you know the best course of action to take? I'll give you some, some ways to find it out. Number one is through prayer. Going to write that down. What do I do? What do I do in this season? Well, prayer is, prayer is quintessential to the health of your soul, to the rest of your mind. I, I need, sometimes I, don't, I shouldn't go out. I should pray for five minutes and lay down and be content. With where I'm not lonely. Uh, how do you how do you come to church and saying I am not alone? You go right back home. I'm so lonely. Right. You're not alone. You're you're healthy. You're 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 figuring out who you are. You're not pulled by the culture and by your flesh like everyone else is pulled. You're you're maturing. A lot of mature people, successful, effective people are lonely yep. That's right. because they're actually effective yes. and they're fulfilled and they don't have a lot of voids. But whenever we're just always trying to be in the inner circle, we're always out. We're always doing something. There's something wrong with your soul because you're trying to numb the real problem. You're, you're keeping yourself busy because you're trying to numb something that's truly, that's truly the issue. What what season are you in? Should you be grinding it out? Is is it grind season? Is it focus season? Right. It, it, it's important to to know and to discern where you should be. Number two, scripture. That's that's the second way to figure out what's my best course of action. The, the word of God. Will bring clarity to your life every day. Ladies in the flourishing journey, you, you know this to be true. How about brunch yesterday, ladies? Can we celebrate that a little bit? Man, that thing was strong. It was, it was awesome. But, but the, the, that those daily prompts will bring you clarity every day, right? It's like, wow, Jesus, I love you and you love me. And, and then I'm, you know, I'm about to throw on a wig and get, get a part of the journey. Because part two and part three, y'all, if y'all think the soul was good, right, right, oh my God, but you're going to know what to do now, right, when it comes to your mind and, and your body, it's the word of God. And then number three, godly counsel. It will help you understand the best course of action to take. We make too many isolated decisions, too many uninformed Decisions. Thank God for Megan and her message on, on good advice, right? Like we, we need to be seeking this stuff so we don't add unnecessary stress, right? And here it is. Don't just seek it, but heed to it, right? We seek it. We, we go, we, we set up the meeting, we sit down. This is what's going on in my life. Oh, I'm crying. Oh, oh, this is what's going on. Oh, oh. And then we get the advice and then we leave and we do the same thing we were doing. Before we get the advice, it's the heeding to it. Who, who, who has, who has uh, the green light to speak into your soul and to alter your decisions? It has to be someone other than God. This is going to mess with your theology a little bit, but there's a reason why God gives you pastors. There's a reason why he gives you group leaders and mentors. It's because you're supposed to open up just a little bit. And help them speak something into your soul. 
and you step out 100, come on now, you step out 100% on it. You test it. Just test it. So if your leader says, don't do this for six months, don't do it and just see what happens. And so that's just bringing clarity to your season. Number two, rest and well-being are interconnected. Going to help you find your rhythm today. To rest, let's go ahead and define it, means to stop or to cease. Means to do nothing. Two, two things here. The older I get and the more mature I grow in the Lord, the less unnecessary stuff I want to do. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? Party? I'm good. <laughs> what, what are they watching? The fight? I'm good. I don't even eat wings like that. I'm good. Just, just, there's a, there's a peace in chilling out. There's, there's a joy in being hidden in the Lord. If you really want to be exclusive, don't leave the house. It's like, where are they at? Right, we're, we're overexposed in this culture. We're, we're everywhere all the time. And as a result, there's nothing special about us because everyone knows everything about us versus being hidden and coming out and being like, you look different. Yeah, I disappeared for a good old year on y'all and I got my life together. Right. Sometimes you just need to throw on pajamas and, and I don't care, break it, eat the ice cream, eat the donuts. Come on out, do what it is that you want to do. Sometimes that's rest. You got to break that diet. Don't exercise for a day or two and just do nothing. Someone say do nothing. Do nothing. So the creation of the heavens and the earth, Genesis 2, and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. So God blessed it. God, God, God blessed it. He set aside a day for us to rest. Now, I know we're not under the old covenant. We're not under the Old Testament. So you don't have to follow the Sabbath, but you should follow the principle. There should be a day throughout the week where you, you do nothing. You go to bed when you want, you wake up when you want. And when you wake up, you check your Google calendar or whatever you use. And there's nothing on that day because you're saying that this day is for me. Now, God didn't need to rest. He's an unlimited resource. He has all energy, all power, all strength. He's the creator, but he rested. This is so important. He rested to be an example unto us because we are limited. We do get tired. We do get emotional. We do want to give up. We do want to quit. And I would argue, I would propose that at the root of it, you need to rest. You don't need to quit. You need to stop. You need to stop feeling as though when I wake up, there's nothing to do. I must be missing out. You're not. It could be a divine 
appointed day that God wrote about your life way before he created the earth. And he said on July 19th, they're not going to do anything. But what we do is we fill that in. We get up, we get dressed, we do our hair, we do our makeup, we put, and we just go when God is like, I, I had something for you right here in your, in your room. Got to rest. Someone say rest. 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 He didn't have to stop. He could have still been creating. He rested and, and he created that Sabbath day for us. It says this here, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest. Someone say rest, rest. in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Here it is. Allowing the spirit to lead us into rest is a mark of wisdom. Allowing the spirit. That's the mark of a wise person. Am I allowing the spirit to come in on a Wednesday and say, son, daughter, on Friday, you rest. I, I want you to cancel all of your plans because I'm a jealous God and I want to spend time with you. Can he say that to you in the middle of your work shift on a, on a Wednesday and where you say cancel everything on Sunday, cancel everything on Friday, cancel everything on Saturday. Sometimes and it's crazy. I'm saying this. Don't even go to church. Just stay home. Eat something good. Get some rest. I want to be alone with you. It's this. It's the sign of a wise person, someone who allows the Lord to lead them to peaceful streams. What does the stream represent? It represents the spirit of God so that you can partake and sup of the spirit of God. I'm allowing God to. And I don't know when this happened. Maybe COVID was a gift. I don't know. Um, but man, I used to be so obsessed like church. We got to grow the church and I got to be in the church and I got stuff to do and people need me as if I was Jesus. Like if they, if I don't preach, they won't get saved. They, they won't learn the Bible unless I show up, unless I preach every Sunday. And then one day it just broke. I don't know when I just remember there's a season. Maybe it was during the, the pandemic. I don't, it just broke where I'm like, it's God's church. He's going to grow it. And one day for you, it has to break. These are God's kids. These are God's finances. This is God's home. This is God's job. He's going to take care of all of it. He, he got it. I need, I need to rest. I, I need to rest. And that's when the Lord can say, okay, I'm going to start imparting an assurance into your heart and into your mind that not only am I going to take care of it, but your life's going to get better. But unless you stop, I can't give you that message. Unless you settle and commit to reading a book in the Bible every day, just plant yourself in Ephesians. A lot of people, I don't know where to start. Plant yourself in Matthew. Just be consistent. And every single day, you're going to sup. You're going to partake of the water if you make time for it. And it's going to be good for your soul. It's going to be good for you. And, and you're going to be resting in his presence. Like I said, we, oh my God, man, there were times where all, all we had was the word of God. All we had was the word of God. Oh my God. Oh, oh my God. There were times where all I had was, I'm going to go to work. 
I'm going to come home and read. I'm going to eat and be with my kid and I'm going to sleep. Then I'm going to repeat. Then I'm going to repeat. Then I'm going to repeat. But what it was building in me was a peace that though I wasn't where I wanted to be, I had everything I needed on the inside. And I was lacking no good thing because I was always resting in the Lord while working in my calling. And so you, you got to you got to you got to rest as you go. There it is. You got to grow a restful spirit, even in the middle of the grind. It might be tough at work, but you got peace. You're rested. Some of the benefits of unplugging. Okay, here, write these down. It won't come up on the screen. Number one, when you unplug, when you rest, it heals the body. It heals the body. It reduces stress. Wow. It, I, got, I got something for you at the end here. I got a, I got a story about that. <laughs> Um, it boosts creativity when you rest while wow, you, you think you can focus, you can study when, when you, when you rest, um, it enhances decision-making. I've seen this over and over and over in almost 10 years of pastoring and it breaks my heart. I've lost count of how many people make life-altering decisions when they're tired. Life-altering. And that, that decision won't be redeemed for five or ten years. But they made it in a moment of exhaustion. Because they never discover or established a rhythm of rest. I'm going to move here. I'm going to go here. I'm going to be with that person. I'm going to do that career. I'm going to go for that job. I'm going to break up. I'm going to do this. And it, it, because you're tired. Because you're tired. You're exhausted. And when you replace that exhaustion with being in the presence of God and saying, I don't have to make this decision right now, God can bring a clarity. And sometimes God's going to tell you to stay in that situation. Just be ready for that. Sometimes he's going to tell you to go. But by God, don't make decisions when you're tired. I am no good after about 3 p.m. I didn't think y'all was ready for the joke. So I told the 8.30, I told the 9 a.m. and they called it. But I'm like, oh, this, to, this to 10, maybe a little. Okay, so after about 3 o'clock, I'm no good. I, I know I'm not. I, I, all my meetings are before two o'clock. I can't make deals about finances. I can't make decisions about the ministry. Do not set up a meeting. I'm just no good. You have to know that that's a part of your rhythm. Are you best early in the morning or later at night? You got to know that. And don't make those key decisions when you're not rested. Okay. All right. Here it is. Number three. I need you to recognize harvest seasons and celebrate progress. Recognize harvest seasons and celebrate progress. Many of us have a winner's complex. Like we're, we're always, we're always going, we're always winning. We're always grinding. We're always, we gotta win. 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 It, it, it's easy to slip into this when you're in ministry. Oh my God, you have an amazing Easter. Wow. 
bam, amazing. And then the conference came, yeah. And then it's, and then Christmas comes, yeah. It's like you never know when to stop because we have this winner's complex and you never stop to celebrate it. And it's important because if you don't taste, if you don't taste that satisfaction, if you don't taste the satisfaction of progress, you won't have what you need to continue to go into new frontiers. And so when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt and he was taking them to the promised land, he told them something very key about this idea of of recognizing harvest and celebrating little progress. The Lord told me this two weeks ago. He said, my children struggle to recognize harvest seasons. What is a harvest season? Well, it, in the past, you sowed something in faith. You, you prayed a prayer. You, you worked hard. You studied hard. You made a great decision. And the benefit did not come the next day or immediately. Right. But it came six months or a year later. But you didn't recognize it. Or you felt like you were waiting for God too long. And as a result, when it came, there was a sense of entitlement, like, oh, about time, Lord. (laughs) But what it was, was it was it was a harvest season. And whenever the children of Israel were going towards the promised land, God instructed them to stop and celebrate, not because he needed it. But because because we need it. And he said this in Exodus, he says, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Here it is. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. You see that right there? Someone say little by little, little by little. little I'm going to take out your enemies until you have increased. This is the problem. Many of us don't celebrate meaningfully because we haven't received all of the blessing. But God is saying little by little. Meaning when you, when you make a little man, I've never went to church this much in my life. My question to you is when are you going to celebrate that intentionally say, I'm going out to dinner tonight to celebrate that. I've never read this much scripture in a six month period in my life. When are you going to celebrate that? I may not be completely free of this addiction, but I'm getting free. Come on now. Come on. Now. We little, little, it's just, it's just a little, no, no one wants more than me to, than to see the 20 locations of highlight church. But I understand I got to celebrate one location in the three services we have. I, I have to meaningfully intentionally celebrate that every single Friday with my wife. And say, well, at one point we had 20 superheroes. At one point we had 43 people in one service. And the 43 people were the kids. So there was no one in here. <laughs> right. But we, we, every Friday breakfast, we talk about the little progress, the, the health progress. 
her writing this 400-page book. We haven't stopped celebrating that. Stop waiting on it to come because unless you celebrate the little, I'm sorry, it might not come. But if you learn to be grateful and recognize the harvest, you're, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting there. You're getting there. We, we pulled up in uh, Salisbury uh, yet a uh, couple days ago with, with Jay and, and um, man, it, it blessed my soul so much. Because I wasn't even thinking about church. But the fact that we have this recognition of harvest in our home and we celebrate progress, it's getting into our kids. So Jay said, he said, man, I can't wait till we start a location here. And and Salisbury is what, two and a half hours away? I wasn't even, Salisbury on my list is probably number 22. But, but, but he, he, he confirmed the word today by just saying, you guys talk about the progress all the time. And that faith is getting on the inside of your children. So you, you got to recognize you, you made that A. You got that degree. You, you had that child. You're raising those kids. You're, you're getting better. You're growing. You're doing amazing. Come on now. You got to celebrate. Celebrate your progress. It's important. It's important. Number four. God's best for us is found in our rhythms. God's best for us is found in our rhythms. Just a few weeks ago, man, I was experiencing, I won't be detailed with this as we, as we get ready to close out, but I was experiencing certain symptoms in my body. And I'm wondering where in the world, why is this happening to me? I'm, I'm in my thirties. Like I'm, Lord, come on. I got a lot of years ahead of me. God, come on now. You promised me long life, not short life. And so I, I, I kept that from my wife through May. And then one day as I was going and I, I, I already know I'm exhausted. I've been exhausted for like two months. Like this was since like Easter. I'm already running on fumes. The conference was awesome, but I was on fumes during the conference. I'm, I'm just going, going, going. Top of June, I'm like, this is scary. I said, let me, because I know my wife. She a nurse. She's excellent. She want to poke them with needles, get labs, do all the tests. Cause she oversees the care of my dad. And like, she like that God has used that woman alone to add years to my dad's life. So I'm like, I don't, I'm grateful for that, but come on now we can celebrate that. But I'm like, man, if I tell her I got to do all this stuff, but it was concerning. So I'm like, babe, this has been going on. And she was like, Josh, why didn't you, tell me this when it first started this is this is dangerous this is scary and so we did all the lab work the test came back perfect the lab work came back perfect the advanced test all clear and so I was in prayer after all of that I was grateful for that the Lord is upholding me but the Lord said that you are emotionally exhausted and, and so, I, you know, it's God, then it's Google. So I went to Google. 
I said, okay, what does it mean? He said, go to Google. So I went to Google. No, he didn't. So I went to Google and I typed in emotional exhaustion. And it's a thing. It's when the trials of life pile up at the same time. It's not just one. It's like six of them in one day and a new six the next day and a new two the next day. And I had been going on that for months. And it almost took me out early. And he said this. He said that there are people throughout the church that are emotionally exhausted. They're afraid. They're anxious. They're weak. And he said, I need you to tell them this. He said, they're doing the church thing. But he said, I need them to come back to me. Because sometimes church and Jesus are two separate things. Church is religious rotation if we're not careful. But Jesus is saying, come to me so I can give you rest for your souls. And th- th- these, this is his words through the message translation. These are the words of Christ. He said, son, come to me. Everything's okay. You're just exhausted. I need you to stop and come to me. Are you tired, worn out? burnt out on religion come to me get away with me you'll recover (laughs) your life i'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me work with me watch how i do it i love this here it is learn the unforced rhythms of grace i won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly God is saying sometimes don't come to church, but do come to me. And when when you come to him, you bring everything. Lord, this is what's bothering me. This is what's weighing me down. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to let you go to work restore my soul and I promise you if you would find time to do that this week he will heal your body he will heal your mind he will heal your life he will bless your soul but you got to find that time come to him